Welcome to the fifth FG podcast of 2015 related to the DDW 2015 special FG Twitter debate on Monday the 11th of May 2015 entitled Frontline IBD, Hot Topics in IBD. My name is Dr. Philip Smith. I'm the trainee editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and a registrar in London. And I'm delighted to introduce the world-renowned IBD expert, Professor Edward Loftus. He's Professor of Gastroenterology and IBD at the Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota, USA. Professor Loftus is the Director of the Inflammatory Bowel Disease Interest Group in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the Mayo Clinic and has been on the Mayo Clinic consulting staff since 1995. Professor Loftus is a Fellow of the American College of Physicians, American College of Gastroenterology, and the American Gastroenterological Association. He's also a member of several professional societies. He's currently chair of the Immunology, Microbiology, and Inflammatory Bowel Disease section of the AGA Institute Council. Professor Loftus has won many awards and accolades, and he's even been named on the list of best doctors in America since 2005. He has served as an associate editor of the American Journal of Gastroenterology between 2013 and 2009, and as a Associate Editor of Inflammatory Bowel Diseases from 2006 to 2013. Professor Loftus has published over 270 original articles, book chapters or editorials, and more than 300 abstracts. Professor Loftus has served as the principal investigator in several funded studies focusing on the epidemiology and natural history of IBD. Professor Loftus, thank you very much for doing this podcast to accompany your excellent Twitter debate in which you included a number of amazing slides. These slides will be attached to the podcast underneath, as will be a summary of the Twitter debate, and both of these things will be posted on the Frontline Gastroenterology website. Professor Loftus, in your blog on the FG website, before the debate, you referred to a very famous quote from Charles Dickens' book, The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And that was really in reference to the state of play in the subspecialty of IBD at the moment. With that in mind, I wondered if you could briefly explain what you meant by that and also give examples of why this quote is so relevant currently to IBDologists. Right, and the second part of that quote, Philip, was it was an age of wisdom and it was an age of foolishness. And the reason, I think, is that, you know, if you look back over the last 15 to 20 years, there's just been a flood of information that we've received about things like genetics. We're beginning to get information about microbiome. We're starting to make real inroads into understanding pathogenesis. But it's almost as if this flood of information is ahead of us in terms of how do we translate all this information into the care of treating our patients. In in other words, we've only translated some of this bench work to the bedside. And infliximab has been out in the U.S. for 17 years almost, and yet we're still learning how to use biologic agents properly. And that's, I think that's what I meant is that we've made great strides in some respects, but we're still just scratching the surface in other respects in terms of taking care of our patients. Okay, thank you. Well, with that in mind then, the title of the FG debate was Hot Topics in IBD. Can you explain what you believe are the hot topics as you see it at the moment? For example, risk stratification, therapeutic monitoring, and briefly state 
what evidence is available to justify them being at the moment being considered hot topics for the listeners who may not be aware of current research and evidence? So let's start with risk stratification. So there's just been this observation that for both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, there's a very wide spectrum of disease activity. We have patients that have very mild symptoms who are on no medications for years and seem to have no progression of their disease. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have these patients with unrelenting disease. In the case of Crohn's disease, they may require multiple intestinal resections. They don't respond to any medications or seemingly not to, and they end up with short bowel on TPN. And we're not very good at the time of diagnosis of distinguishing who are going to be the mild patients, who are going to be the severe patients. You know, it's not going to be financially sustainable for us to treat every single inflammatory bowel disease patient with a biologic. And so risk stratification is really important because if we could identify those more severe patients up front, we could target our more aggressive and effective therapies to those more severe patients. And so far, we haven't been doing a very good job. I think there there have been some attempts looking at natural history of population-based cohorts where you look at baseline factors and regress back to what factors influence time to first surgery or time to first intestinal complication. We're beginning to understand, okay, the young patient at diagnosis, the patient presents with penetrating complications, the patient that has more small bowel involvement relative to colonic involvement or upper GI involvement, those are patients who have a higher risk in Crohn's disease, at least, of going on to complications in surgery. In ulcerative colitis, it's the patient who has extensive disease. The male patient has a more severe disease course than the female patient. The patient who early on needs steroids or early on needs hospitalization. And so, We've got to do a better job at actually incorporating those factors into our clinical practice and treating those patients a bit differently. So that's what I meant by risk stratification. But there are other hot topics as well. Um, You know, the recognition of the disconnect between objective markers of intestinal inflammation and patient symptoms. And one of the slides I showed was an old study done by the Chetade group 25, 30 years ago, which showed that there's basically no correlation between the Crohn's disease activity index, which is primarily dominated by symptoms, and the Crohn's disease endoscopic index of severity, which is an endoscopic measure of inflammation. No correlation whatsoever. And so we have to change our treatment paradigm from the wise clinician who would just make decisions based on a patient's symptoms. That sounds all very well and good, but the reality is is that even the best clinician can't guesstimate accurately the amount of inflammation that's occurring in a patient's intestine, and you need to use markers of inflammation. And that, in some cases, that might be uh, colonoscopy. In some cases, it might be cross-sectional imaging. But hopefully, some of the surrogate markers of inflammation, like serum C-reactive protein or or fecal calprotectin, things things along those lines might be uh, useful surrogate markers as well. But the politically incorrect message here is that IBD patients, unfortunately, need lots of tests 
before you make big treatment decisions because the symptoms are neither sensitive nor specific for intestinal inflammation. Another hot topic would be this concept of treat to target, which we're borrowing from the rheumatology literature, where in hypertension or in diabetes, you have a target. Uh, In hypertension, it's the blood pressure. In diabetes, it's the hemoglobin A1C. In rheumatology, they're generally using joint counts, things like that. We need a target to simplify our lives in terms of how we make treatment decisions. And what that target is, is it mucosal healing? Is it partial mucosal healing? Is it fecal calprotectin? I don't honestly don't know what the target is, but we have to start thinking like this in order to really impact the natural history. Because I think the only way we're going to impact the natural history, especially of Crohn's disease, is by coming up with an algorithm where you assess objectively, you implement therapy, and then at a fixed point in time down the road, and whether that's four months or six months or 12 months, we have to sort that out. Then you reassess that patient using the same marker to see if you've made any progress. And if you have, great, continue that therapy. But if you haven't, then you need to adjust therapy. Maybe if the patient was on biologic monotherapy, you would add, you know, do combination therapy, or if the patient was on a, a regular dose of a biologic, you would put them on a higher dose of a biologic, but some sort of algorithm where you assess, you treat, you reassess, and then you adjust accordingly. That's probably not the only way we're going to really cause true disease modification, I think, in either Crohn's disease and maybe to a lesser extent, ulcerative colitis. Those were some of the hot topics, and we can certainly discuss more as we continue on the podcast. Okay, thank you very much, Prof. Obviously, I'm conscious of the fact that you're just about to travel to the biggest gastroenterology meeting in the world, the DDW 2015, which is in Washington, D.C. Talking about hot topics, can you give us a sneak preview of what you're looking forward to seeing there and what you think the hot topics are that are likely to be discussed and the new findings that may be talked about at this meeting? Well, the thing that always pops into mind is whenever there are new randomized clinical trials presented at these big meetings, they're always a hot topic. So at the plenary, there'll be a presentation of that new sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor drug uh, for ulcerative colitis, the phase two study. I believe that was already presented at ECHO earlier this year, but that will be presented. And so that looks like a promising new mechanism of action. We'll see results from the big randomized study of infliximab for postoperative recurrence of Crohn's disease. Uh, There'll be a multi-center European study on the use of methotrexate in ulcerative colitis. The party line has been methotrexate doesn't work in ulcerative colitis. I can tell you anecdotally, I think it does. It just was never studied using the proper dose or the proper route of administration. And interestingly enough, the CCFA Clinical Trial Alliance in the U.S. is currently enrolling in a multi-center randomized trial of methotrexate and ulcerative colitis. So it's interesting that this study is coming out around the same time. So that's just a few of the big trials that are going to be presented, but we'll see updates from Other interesting ongoing studies like the Piano Registry, which is a CCFA-sponsored study in the U.S. of women with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis who are pregnant and on various categories of medications and looking at 
safety issues, pregnancy outcomes, and there'll be an interesting paper presented at the IMIBD plenary session about breast milk, whether or not you can detect biologics in breast milk. And I wish I could actually tell you the results, but we're embargoed until the presentation, so I can't really get into the details. But that's just uh, an example of some of the studies that will be presented. Well, it certainly sounds like a fantastic meeting, and I'm conscious of the fact that you do have a, a plane to catch to this meeting. So I want to say thank you very much, Professor Loftus, for your fantastic contribution and support, not just with the FG Twitter debate, but also with this podcast. It's been an honor for me, and we're very grateful at Frontline Gastroenterology for your support. We hope you enjoy DDW and also managed to have some time to relax as well. The slides from the Twitter debate and this podcast uh, will be available a link underneath this podcast. And I just want to alert our listeners to the next FG debate, which is in June, with Professor Andreas Gutanas, who's an associate editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and a professor of hepatology at the University of Barcelona. That will be on Tuesday, the 9th of June, 2015, at 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock p.m. London time, and we'll discuss frontline hepatology, complications with cirrhosis, focusing on portal hypertension. We hope you can join us then using the hashtag FGDebate, and would like to say thank you once again to Professor Loftus. Thanks for having me, Phil.